Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another episode of Buker and Hollands, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United Recast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buker and on Instagram at Rick underscore <clears throat> Buker. He is Ryan Hollands. NBA vet. You can see him on a number of platforms. You can follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins and on Instagram simply at Ryan Hollins. And if you'll notice, my voice is a little bit hoarse. Uh, once again, I made the mistake of working out too close to us recording the podcast. I did this once before. Oh my and, gosh. and yeah, I don't know what it doesn't happen all the time, but every now and then. I don't have you ever had this experience? I don't remember having this experience when I was when I was younger. I don't know if it's like I'm not out So of- because you worked out you got went hoarse? I, yeah, I, like my well I'm just as I'm speaking like you can tell my voice sounds a little rough, right? Doesn't sound You sound horrible. The no- <laughs> Thank oh you. Gosh, it's it sound horrible. Not the normal dulcet tones. I'll get there eventually. Anyway. Yo, so hold on. When you work out yeah, you go horse to clarify. No, not nor- not normally. I don't know what it is. It just. Oh my gosh. Uh, um, are you like screaming? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, I'm singing at the top of my lungs as I'm running. Right? Uh, no, I can't. I don't. I can't. I, I can't explain it. it. It doesn't always happen, but it's it's happened a couple of times. It seems to happen anyway. Uh, enough. Uh, enough of this. Um, we have a number of things that I want to get to. Training camps are are have opened, and it just got me to thinking because um, I was at the Warriors. By the way, I was at the Warriors' new chase center, their, their new arena, and their new practice site. Mm. Oh, it's unbelievable! First of all, only arena practice facility that has two full courts, and they have a bar right next to the courts. Yeah, it's like posted that. I was like, huh? two courts. And then the weight room, and then on your way to the weight room on left, there's like a juice bar. 
It's crazy. They got a barbershop in there. They got, they got everything they could possibly want. And then the arena itself, as I'm walking in, there's a guy on a ladder about like one of those 15 foot ladders. And it's the wall on the outside of the arena. And he has like one of those little uh, watercolor brushes and, and he's brushing like the, like where the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the just the the gaps between the uh, between the stones. It was like he was just making sure everything was perfect. Anyway, it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. It's in a beautiful section of San Francisco. It's right on the water near UCSF. I'm a little wonder. I'm wondering about the the traffic getting in and out because uh, it's a little uh, it's a little tight. They're they're all two lane two, two lane roads, but. Uh, you should be able to use uh, 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 Muni and BART and public transportation to get there. So anyway, I'm, I think I'm going to go to their for their uh, preseason opener if I can, just because I want to I want to know what the atmosphere is like in there. That's what I'm really curious about. Nonetheless, all of this talk to Steph at practice. They don't leave this. They don't leave the state of California uh, when it comes to their uh, their training camps. And it used to be teams would barnstorm across the country. You know, they, they'd go, if you had a star who played at Kansas State, you were probably playing on the campus or wherever it might be. And just, just there was, it was a money-making venture to go play in, in, in markets that aren't anywhere close to an NBA uh, market or, or franchise. So I'm wondering, in your experience, did you, did you experience any, any wild training camp or preseason trips where you guys were like jetting all over the place, aside from the overseas trips, obviously uh, the Lakers are about to go over there. Uh, somebody's over there right now. I think Sacramento's is over there right now, Sacramento and the Pacers. And uh, you know, aside from the obvious going overseas for preseason games, did you have any crazy playing any backwaters or crazy trips in the preseason? Well, you just excluded me going to China twice, Rick. So I took I took that right out of the bag. To that end, how much of a difference? Give me give me a sense of the seasons that you started out training camp going to China. How much of a disruption did you feel it in the regular season at any point? Compare compare the the years that you went to China in the preseason to the years that you didn't. Does it? Can you can you feel it? Does it make a difference? I I felt like we got our 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 butts kicked kind of even more because you know you don't you're kind of jet lagged and the excuse of being jet lagged isn't there and then I just remember getting hit with you know some running drills you know transition drills over and over and over and over again and like normally you'd be like yo like I don't have my legs but it's like nope we're going and it's in a kind of inopportune place where you're I mean you're on the road you know and you're normally on the, you're always on the road for training camp for the most part unless you're in like a new facility like the Warriors but I just remember just doing a drill and like kind of looking up like yo like Vinny like we're gonna do this again yeah. <laughs> and this Vinny's was over in China bro. yeah over in China yeah because you you have to do it, it it's still technically training camp and yeah. I guess the good part is that kind of like you've got games that pop up really quick and there's a, a enough to, to kind of distract you hmm. where it kind of sucks during training camp. The whole point of, you know, going to get away 
is that there's no distractions. Right. And sometimes you just get bottled up. You know, you don't, you kind of forget to be tired sometimes and you got some stuff to do. The hardest part, I would think, is as hard as you're going, if you're going two days in training camp, is if you're in China, like the the nutrition, finding, getting good meals. And I don't know whether you guys brought stuff with you. And I, I'm not, this is, I'm not, I'm not banging on, on no, not Chinese all, no. cuisine. It's just, it's different. And, and it's, um, you know, it's just different. And you're not, you don't know what to eat. I would think you know, it's difficult to know what to eat in terms of getting the right nutrition to getting right, the, the right protein. I don't know. What, uh, did you guys have an issue with that? Did you combat that? How did you combat that? Well, you're, for one, you're going to lose weight over there. And, and it, the advice that we got was if you find a food that you like, mm. stick with it. Yeah. If they're making a PB&J and you like it, stick yeah. with it. Because don't get adventurous. Like, exactly. Like what you said, it's not that the food is bad. Yeah. But you don't have time to acclimate. Yeah. Or, you know, Rick, overseas and any of you have taken a Europe trip. They're, they're, you're getting runny eggs. You know what I'm saying? You're mm-hmm. getting shrimp with the heads on them. So if the shrimp fried rice is, is, is banging, it's, it's working fried for rice it. is popping, you know what I'm saying? Like you got to stay with it and you, you'll, you'll enjoy this. So, you know, that's where I do my suits at out in China. And when I got fitted for my suits, I'm in the middle of losing weight in training camp. Hmm. And a lot of these shirts, I burst out the buttons on them. Because I, 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 I was as skinny as can be. So to ah. your point, I have constant reminders that I was a lot skinnier, a lot thinner just by the food and being over in China, China in the midst of training camp. Yeah, yeah. What did, how did you guys fly over there? I, I assume you had a charter, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, huge, huge plane. It was like something like a, like a chartered overseas plane. That's a different type of plane, yeah. bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a different plane. That's a, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. Uh, all right. Um, moving on to the latest on goings on when it comes to, and obviously we have to get to LeBron and the Lakers as we are for, for a good part of the season. That's one of the beautiful things about about this season. And I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out because like I hear from a lot of fans, a lot of listeners out there that they, you know, we need parity. The the whole tampering thing is the the idea you need tamp you need parity between the small markets and the big markets, and and it's it's not any fun when it's the Warriors and the Cavs every year, and to capture the mainstream audiences, it's exact opposite. The biggest numbers overall when it comes to TV ratings have always been when there's a super team when there's a great team that everybody's gunning for. I don't think we have that this year. I think it's wide open and I'll be interested to see where the numbers go. Now, the one thing that may offset uh, the the numbers going down as I anticipate they will this year, because there is no super team is that you have two teams in LA that are going to be must see TV. And if I'm not mistaken, we're going to see them opening night. They start the season. Uh, They also start the, the, the Pelicans against the Raptors opening night, all those games on, on TNT. Uh, having two potentially great teams in LA in that market, I believe could could offset what I expect is otherwise going to be a dip in the numbers. Nonetheless, LeBron is saying the latest from LeBron James when it comes to the Lakers is that the offense has to run through Anthony Davis. 
that they're going to give him the ball, you know, throw the ball to him every time, but that they they need to run it through him. To me, it's preposterous that you that LeBron James would say that for a multitude of reasons. But mm. I wonder, I wonder what you think of him saying that. It's the politically correct statement. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. It, it, it's reminiscent of what Dwayne Wade did for him. And there's a point where Dwayne was just a little older. He couldn't carry it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of went to Braun. And I, I remember watching the swing happen. And he told LeBron that, hey, we're we're running through him to end the games. You've got to be our closer. If you don't do this, we don't win the championship. I don't think Anthony Davis is there yet. But at some point, Anthony Davis is going to be better than LeBron. Now, arguably because of their positions, it's kind of tough to initiate with Anthony Davis or kind of win a championship with a guy that doesn't get his own bucket off the bounce. But I believe it's... He's doing what Wade did for him because Anthony made the sacrifice to come over and play with LeBron. So it's a a sense of a form of respect. And, you know, LeBron kind of gets heat for this. Um, And and it's people feel like some of these moments that he says or does, they're not necessarily organic. They're thought out because he's so (laughs) and you got to understand that the curse for LeBron James is he's so intelligent that some of these things are so analytically put together. But at the, at the end of the day, on the other side, he goes and gets busy. No one can question what he's done on the floor. I don't think it's that time yet, but I don't mind the gesture, Rick. How, how, do, you, how do you feel? I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't buy too much into it. I, I, pre, I understand what you're saying, and I would fo- fully get him like saying – Putting putting the onus, uh, maybe not the onus, but but saying you know Anthony Davis is really going to be the difference maker for us. That's a little bit different than saying the offense is going to run through him. I I can't I don't know of a team that LeBron has played on that the offense has not ultimately run through him. That that I mean you know maybe Never. maybe the first year in Miami maybe. But for the most part, he's I, I don't consider Anthony Davis a playmaker. I, he he's great in a lot of ways, but I'm re, I'm going to take the ball out of for for as good of a passer and a playmaker and a floor general as LeBron is. I mean, that's what he is. And as he gets older, I would expect that he's going to lean on that more. His ability to orchestrate. Why would if, if you want to say AD is going to be our go-to guy or he's really going to have to, you know, he's going to have to produce offensively, any, anything you want. But when you say the offense is going to run through him, I think of him being an orchestrator. No? Am I, am I, am I putting too much on yeah, him? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say it's, it's a bit of a stretch because – when Dwayne passed it to LeBron, LeBron is a guy who who is a playmaker, creates his own shot. You know, that's a different deal. AD is still if if well, let me ask you this, Rick, in harmony with what you just said. What's the best thing Anthony Davis does on offense? What's the best if you said this is a hundred percent deal, what's the best thing he does? You say, I we need this from him. This is a layup. This is his best attribute offensively. I, 
I, I'm, it's difficult for me to one describe. Thing. What's one thing that you say he does, and he does this just as good as anybody, if not one of the best? Uh, I'd say for a big taking you off the dribble. I, I would, I see, I would, I would take it at even. I would even simplify a step further. At finishing. Yeah, but finishing I mean, at the rim. But he'll come, like he'll come inside. Uh, one dribble, spin either way, finish. He can finish going either way. See, I think that I think they can stop that. But when you get Anthony Davis airborne, and you're throwing him lobs, so you're saying he's when he's rolling to the rim, he's rolling to the rim. Ah, damn, <laughs> bro, he's the one because he's he's freaky athletic. He'll catch that thing behind his head and yeah. throw it in or come down. You know, so I, I, I'm just saying at a if I'm asking for premium Anthony Davis. That's what he does. Premium Dwayne Wade, he's a slasher. Premium Kobe Bryant, he's going to his right hand, he's pulling up. Premium premium LeBron James, he's getting in the lane, playing bully ball, and then creating for others. If I'm asking what is the most dangerous thing from Anthony, it's a lob threat right now. But I I, I guess I was taking it from the context of if I'm putting the ball in his hands. No, no, no. I'm 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 just saying, yeah, I I would say ball out of his hands or however, just that's the best. Would you agree? Okay. If that's the case, though, then what LeBron is saying makes no sense. Exactly. Because the ball. It's a nice gesture. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no, no, no. For for AD to do what he does best, as you said, going to the rim, somebody else has to have the ball to set him up for that. Mm -hmm. And, And I think, I mean, this is actually kind of the challenge is. We're sitting here, and with most guys, you can name exactly what it is that their go-to is. This is the thing that they do best, and I would like for I would like to think that AD is more evolved. When when you say you know rolling to the rim and finishing, that's a Clint Capella type. And AD's got more talent than that. Oh yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. You can short roll him, you can ISO him, you can whatever, but. I'm not saying that he's that, but here's the versatility. You have to keep a big guy on him. You can't switch out small, and you got to keep a versatile guy on him because he can step out, and now he's he's going to hit a wide-open 20-footer, if not a three-point-footer right now. You know what I'm saying? So sure. I'm not I'm not nullifying what he does because Draymond Green can switch on to Clint Capella. And Clint's not going to post up. You you do you make that same switch in the playoffs. AD's getting busy. He's catching the ball high, keeping it high, and he's and he's finishing. He's that type of athlete. So I, I don't diminish him just as a rim roller. That was that's not my point. But right. I'm saying agreeing with you as a finisher. It, now you look. It's it's not like oh the best thing you do, Anthony David, get in the lane, get the lane, and create for others. Not yeah. that he no, can't. No, 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 <laughs> not no, that no. he can't. That's no. not happening. I mean, basically, you can, if if you're going to play that way. You're not going to be able to activate like what's Danny Green going to get off of Anthony Davis, right? Yeah, I mean he's, he'll make but, the right play, but it's not like LeBron. No, 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 it's, no. it's not like that. And, and AD works. If I'm going to put him in an isolation situation where I need a bucket, I'm putting him on the elbows, put him on the elbows, yeah. and let him busy. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, somebody posed this to me, and uh, so I'll pose it to you. Do you see LeBron, do you see this a as a revenge tour for LeBron? Do you feel as if he's got something to prove and he's going to be breathing fire to prove that last year was a fluke and he's still the best? How, how, how badly do you think he wants to restore his status as the best player in the league? And do you think he can? 
Rick, if this year isn't a revenge year for LeBron, LeBron James is done. There's nothing left in his tank. If this year isn't anything short of a revenge year, of a hit list, of a, you know, social media, you know, subliminal, of a 50 ball, a couple games, like if, if it's anything short of that playoff mode where he just, you know, LeBron get like, LeBron has a lot of Hollywood in him, a lot of, you know, a lot of playboy, a lot of chill, a lot of, you know, entertainment. That when he shakes that off, we're looking at a different LeBron James. And we're looking at the real LeBron. And and, and, and people, people really question LeBron because he does that, but that doesn't mean LeBron's not a dog. And that's what I argue with people on. Like, LeBron, like I know y'all see that part, but LeBron is a dog still. Hmm. Like, LeBron can bring it. So if it's anything short of that, they're in trouble, Rick. I guess the question for me is, is can he be that? Can he sustain it? Can he do that for 82-plus games? Nah, he's smart enough. He'll never, he'll never do that. Even if it's in his heyday, he wouldn't give you that for 82. Right. And, the, and, the, and you know the way that he can – he saves his legs there. LeBron plays point. Like a point guard can – pass get off mm-hmm. the ball and go cut mm-hmm. he can play he can play 40 minutes a night now if you're asking lebron to be kobe bryant that pace he can't play at you're asking him to be you know michael jordan in this decade hey dave yeah randy since we founded bombas we've always said our socks underwear and t-shirts are super soft any new ideas maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy wait what i got it bombas Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. See, everybody screams that Michael was a, a defender and he scored. He defended and he scored. Well, they played games in the 70s and 80s. Mm. Not to say that Michael couldn't, but it's mm-hmm. different to play mm-hmm. at a pace in the 70s and 80s with one star player versus playing in pick and roll motion offenses and then the 120s now today. So that's a, that's a whole different deal. That's a whole different level of defense. Yeah, the number of possessions and the up and down in today's game. Is certainly different than then. That then it was more physical too. But you, like, if you had the strength, if you were in the weight room, if you were taking care of your body that way, uh, you you could uh, you could survive that. You had to have that. You know, there's certain guys I think in the, in today's game, like I don't know, like I don't I, honestly as good as as Steph Curry is for for example, like if he had to go through, and I remember this when I first started covering the league. Um, in the in the nineties, is that any guy who came in the league, it took him a year or two in the weight room before they were physically strong enough to be able to consistently get their shot and just get free of defenders on a regular basis. No matter how good of a shooter you were, it was like you had to build up your strength just to be able to to, to move around on the court. Otherwise you were always getting knocked off. You were getting knocked off mm-hmm. balance. You were just, it's, it was, mm-hmm. it was tough. And, and that doesn't exist anymore. You can come straight in and you can ball because guys can't just can't defend you the way they once did. 
it's you're allowed to get up and down. You're going to get to the free throw line. You, there's just a million ways to to be able to get buckets in a way that you couldn't you couldn't back then. And so and, there's that and back you, and forth. You move guys in a different way too, right? Like like those big old muscle bound guys would have to move their legs. They'd have mm-hmm. to move, right? They can't yeah. just plant in the lane anymore. Yeah, no, you just arm bar somebody and <laughs> make sure you had a good base and oh man, for sure. No, or, no or I mean, I mean, just as simple, Rick. They had a guard pick and roll. Yeah, you start learning playing the matchup. See, that's the difference. People understand. You couldn't figure out why the triangle offense was so outdated. Because while the one guy is getting busy, while, while while Kobe and Mike are getting busy, you got four other defenders that are resting. Now, when you're guarding a pick and roll, when I have to trap or hedge or or put assign two guys to the basketball. You're tagging, you're closing out, you're you're moving from the strong side to the weak side. There's a shift in the defense that w- was different. Where before you just just sit on the weak side, going, man, all right, all right, guard him one on one, right, right. <laughs> guard him, lock him up, man. <laughs> the ISO, the ISO on one side of the floor, no doubt. Um, all right, uh, speaking of uh, former Lakers, Lonzo Ball, who went the other direction with AD coming to LA. Uh, has uh, apparently parted ways with his dad's not he's he says he's running his show do you what do you make of this do you buy it do you think he's really shook free and i I've, I've said i thought this is what needed to happen i didn't know it would happen quite this quickly or ever quite honestly because of just the personality of lavar and and the personality of lonzo but what do you are you buying that this is for real and and how much of a difference do you think it's going to make for Lonzo? You lose 1.3 million through Big Baller Brand and you had what 5 5 to 10 on the table from Nike, correct me, I'm, I'm somewhere in between, I forget which one. And you get traded. See, when Lonzo got traded, he saw who a lot of people in his life were. You know, when you're a Laker it's different. And he just slowly watched people talk about him, people be off him. And he's going to a stage where he's like, man, cut the nonsense. And like, Lonzo, like, dude, like, like my dad was loud. My dad may not have had the arrogance, but like, I like I knew my dad would be obnoxious in certain moments. If you gave him the microphone, he was gonna say something crazy. Like, we know who our pops is. So I think he just needs to breathe, man. It's not that he doesn't love his dad or he's off him. It's just like, yo, business-wise, bro, I'm not trusting you with that anymore. Dude, my dad was my first accountant. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How'd that go? And it wasn't bad, but my dad felt like it was a big bucket of his money also. Oh, like my really? like my dad would go and like just, you know, loan people money. He'd pay oh. for certain stuff. You know, it may not have been in a big scale. He would he would donate to the boys and girls club, and it wasn't a bad thing. Right. But it was just like, oh, you guys need it here. And that's the way my dad handled his money. Yeah. That's the way he handled it. But I'm like, yo. All that doesn't get written off, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't write off. So I fired my dad. It was one of the hardest things. Oh, <laughs> how did you do that? Oh, he was, dude, bro. He was mad. That he had was to bad be at tough. Me. And then, you know, he. How'd you, you do know, that? Sure how'd you do that? Somebody set him up with a certain way. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to pay myself an extra, you know, $25,000 for this or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it wasn't bad because if he was an accountant, that would be essentially his fee. And I'm sure someone told him all these things, but. It just didn't work out right. Now, you know? what, and it's not that he did a bad job. Yeah. 
I didn't lose money, but he just I don't he just didn't get it. He just didn't get it. Now, had he been an accountant prior to this? No. What, and what? you got to understand, there's a principal difference here. My dad always had a, a salary for the rest of his life, for his whole life. And he could go in the negative. He could take out credit cards. He could do stuff because he knew the, the money was coming in. He could take out loans. That money wasn't going nowhere. Right. My money comes in a lump sum. Right. We can't just go spending. And I'm not saying that my dad was going spending, but... We were in uncharted waters. This was something that sure. he never had. He never he never knew. And it's not that he spent it. He just didn't. He wasn't as knowledgeable. How um, how, how common was your experience with other guys? How many guys had similar experiences with either a dad or a family member or something along those lines from your experience? Everybody's had something, man. Everybody's had that realize the money that I have or who I have in my circle or what I'm spending it on. You just hope that moment comes sooner than later. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, like I, I, but I, sooner I, than later. how did you tell your dad? Tell me like wh when, at what point did you go, I got to fire my dad. And then how did you do it? How did, at, did you take him out to lunch? Did you sit down? Did you come home from practice? Like how did you, I'm just trying to picture myself going to my dad and saying, uh, dad, we got to change things up. And I, 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 didn't, I didn't really tell him like hard. that. It was like, it was like, I had to, uh, I had to pretty much go to him and I just like, Hey, we're going to sign these papers. We're going to transfer all the information over to Jeff, which was my new accountant. And you know, what's this password or whatever? Hey, sign off on this. I just kind of told him, Hey, this is what we're doing. Hmm. It wasn't, it, we didn't get an explanation because I, I am. And the irony is like, he, he had to be mad at himself because we operate very similar in the sense that I told him to stop loaning money here, stop spending money there, or you need to run certain things by me. Right. And he was just still doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then it was like, nah, bro. Nah, you, so, you got your third strike. What was the tipping point? Like, what was the thing where you finally went, okay, I got to, like. I think it was just, it was just, I forget what it was, but it was just certain donation or he just, he, he was just, he was just big boy in the money. You know what I'm saying? And, my, and, it, and it's in a good way because it was all charitable, mm -hmm. you know, but, or my dad will like, this was his deal. And even like when he wasn't working, you know, and I love him to death, what he would do, because we're the same. We feel like our, it's our money. And he would be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, I'll take out a loan or whatever. I'm going to go get me a new car. I'm going to go get me the new Lexus. And he was almost like giving his car away. And he was like, like going to my little cousin. He's like, hey, you, you want my car? I'm going to give this car to you. I'm going to give this car to you. You need this car? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the car out to you. And it was like, because I know Ryan's going to help me with this new car. This is a gift with a down payment. It was like, yo. <laughs> yo you can help you with the new car because yeah. he was still working it wasn't like you know what i'm saying it wasn't ever like we didn't you know i just love he knows i love to do things for him right but it's me doing something for him right 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 right, right right him doing something for himself to <laughs> me. yeah oh that's that's tough uh i don't know if you saw tillman fertita the the uh the rockets uh rockets owner made the media turn uh, or did the media circus. And he says that the 
that the chemistry between Russ Westbrook and James Harden is people are going to be shocked at how good it is. And I think back to the fact that those guys essentially started their careers together in Oklahoma city and they're familiar. And, and I think about their personalities and I could see where Harden, I don't know, Harden and Westbrook, I, I could see their personalities meshing better than Harden's and Chris Paul's. We thought about how those two would fit on the court. And I think what really came down to it is that Harden and CP3 are in different points in their career. And they're because of that, the combination of that and their personalities, that it wasn't going to work. Now, I'm not saying that Westbrook and, and Harden are the same. I think that there is a difference in how they operate too. But I also believe that because they came in the league together, uh, and I don't know whether you can relate to this, like somebody that you know from when you first came in the league and you'll always be tight with them just because you guys went through that that experience early on together, uh, that there's a chemistry there that that may not be there with everybody. I feel as if like maybe that's what he's talking about. I don't know if that's enough. I don't like, I don't look at their chemistry and go, that's special chemistry in the way that watching Draymond and, and Steph and clay, those personalities mesh perfectly, not because they're the same, but because they, they can create space for each other, both on the floor and off. What do you make of all that with, with uh, Tillman suggesting that there's a, there's a special, special combination that, uh, that Russ and, and James have. Well, these guys already had a prior relationship. And as much as you want to say it's just the business, off the court matters. So the fact that these guys actually get along, Rick, off the court, that's what Tillman is relating to. Mm. It is different when I go past my homeboy to ball because I know his kids and I know his wife and I really want him to succeed. And I'm not saying that he didn't have that with Chris or they weren't cool or they weren't friends. But it's different like when we we really friends, not just like we work together and we cool and we do events together. We like really fool with each other. Yeah. So that is a difference. Yeah. And I think of even like, you know, like my good friends or my guys that I played with. It's just different when we're actually boys or there's that personal touch there. I mean, I mean Russell Westbrook is one of the most organic players in the league, man. And when I say organic, he's real. He's not fake. You you get who you get. And like he will go to bat for his guys. So there's a certain level of I know you're not doing this for the media. I know you're not doing this for the look, for the say. And and, and Russ, like to a fault, we kind of can't stand like, yo, Russ, you're too real. You're you're too combative uh, in a lot of these situations. So w- w- that's what you get from Russell Westbrook and, and to a strong degree from Harden also. Hmm. Yeah, I, it, uh, I, I agree with you. And, and I do, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of um, Kevin Durant and, uh, and Draymond Green the first year they were together in Golden State. Those guys hung out. Those guys went out afterward. Like they mm-hmm. were tight. And not so much uh, the... Though the first two years they were the last this this past season wasn't happening, you know, from early on, there was that break and they didn't have that same feeling about each other. And meanwhile, like the team was still getting together and having Bible study over at Steph's house and doing various things. But it it wasn't it wasn't the same. And I and I do agree. I think there's ways for Mm -hmm. teams to be successful. You don't have to like each other. You don't have to hang out, but it can help if you have that kind of 
closeness. It I, does. I do. I, I do believe every, that. Every team that I was on that was successful, we hung out off the court. Guys, it, it, there wasn't an ego. There wasn't a thought process. There wasn't anybody trying to put stuff together. Hmm. These guys, we, we got along. We would go out. I know Dirk and Jason Kidd would take us all out to eat, and like we would all go. Everybody was welcome. There were no, oh, should I go? Should I not go? Yeah. Those situations never arose. Uh, you know, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray, and those guys, our guys would all go and, and, and hang out or, or go to dinner or, or eat or, you know, be in a practice facility late, you know, kind of like there's that level, Rick, where, you know, like it's outside of work, like right. it's outside of work, like you don't have to, that that we would do with the Clippers, you know, we may have not been as organized or coached or, or had experience, whatever, but like that first year, like we kicked it, like we kicked it, like for real, like everybody did. Like I will say of that year, my first year with the Clippers, it didn't feel like the NBA. Like we didn't feel like we were going to work. You know what I'm saying? Like we were really just hanging out. Hmm. You know, it was the the team chat, the group text, the you know, like the we were hanging out. We would we would go out places. We would our wives would hang out. You know, everybody had an event going on, and then we were blowing people out. So like, the games were a party. Like it wasn't it wasn't work. Like it wasn't practice. It was. It, it, I swear to God, it was not work, bro. Hmm. That's good stuff. Hey, before we go, so Sports Illustrated was purchased by some company named Maven and they promptly like cut 40% of the staff. I grew up with Sports Illustrated. I had an internship with them. In fact, I'll get into that more in the next friendless podcast, but uh I like Sports Illustrated was a seminal place for me, not only growing up and and reading it and was my inspiration uh to become a to become a writer in a lot of ways. I had an I had an internship when I was a junior in college, and that took me from thinking I was going to become a lawyer to justify my my educate my Ivy League education to being at Sports Illustrated for a summer, living in New York, and it was like, wow! I met all these great writers living all over the country, parachuting in, telling the story that nobody else knew on the biggest events. I was like, man, if I could do this for a career. This would be pretty cool, and they were mm-hmm. they were making some they were making some nice change too. So I was mm-hmm. like, I thought if you if you were going to be a writer, you have to be poor, and I that wasn't really didn't, <laughs> it didn't <laughs> wasn't all that attractive to me. I was like, I'd like to make a little scratch while I'm doing this, and and they were doing it. So it is, um, it's sad. I don't you growing up like there was a time where being on the cover of Sports Illustrated was a big thing. And then ESPN magazine came along and, uh, and that was, I would work there and, you know, having a cover story was big on that. Being a cover story on a magazine once upon a time was the aspiration for a lot of athletes. That was, that was, that was like getting, having your own shoe, having a cover, being on the cover, stuff like that. I did that. I don't know if you ever like in your time coming up, if that was still a thing or not. Nah, man. Sports Illustrated was was big with me growing up because I mean, you know, Rick, we didn't have the internet to the same uh, capacity. So, if you were going to find out a, a behind the scenes look at an athlete uh, or a player, it was through Sports Illustrated. Uh, it, it, you were going to find out any any tidbit, whatever 
it, it may have been like that's that's exactly what it was from mm-hmm. you know so that that come that came that was always special and and, and even for me I'll take even like a deeper look like what with my oldest when you know he he was learning to read and I wanted to have something that was that he liked mm-hmm. I want to have something that he would strive for like mm-hmm. yo like what what would he want to read? Mm-hmm. So I would get the kids Sports Illustrated. Yes, and send it to him. What, my and, kids did the same thing. My son did the same was, thing. It was it was like a thing where, like, he wants to read it yes. cover to cover. Yes, he wants to read it cover to cover, and he's just organically reading. Yeah, uh, and then he would cut out the little pages and put them in his room and put the yeah. stuff up. So, yeah. to me, that that's special. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. That's special. Yep, yeah. that is uh, it. Is one of the elements. Cause there's so much video and kids, uh, you know, my kids, they watch so much video that the written word and stories and written stories. I, it's sometimes I worry that we're, we're losing something in that the, the, the shift is, has gone so heavy to, uh, to video. All right. That does it before we get any more modeling here. Uh, that does it for this episode of Buker and Hollins. Uh, if you enjoy the show or you don't, uh, please rate us go wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes or wherever, just uh, hit however many stars you want to give us. Happy to hear a comment positive or negative. Like to know what you think we can do better, what you think we're doing well. And then if you would like us to do something for you, screenshot that review to uh, at Buker friends and you will be eligible to win some prizes in the next podcast I will be joined by Mr. Blackman Will Blackman and we will go over everything that we're anticipating when it comes to the uh, NFL weekend along with the uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, Russell Wilson where do, where do we put him in the pantheon of quarterbacks right now mm-hmm. in the league he is um it's an interesting. I think there's a secret sauce. I think there's something that he has that most people have not noticed that is what makes him uh, so uh, particularly effective and elusive. And we'll discuss that. I'll run it by Will to see if I'm onto something in the next podcast. In the meantime, for Ryan and myself, as always, thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.